0: hello and welcome to two for none your favorite cricket comedy podcast we are back ladies and gentlemen for our possible last episode of the australian summer and christopher t barty my lovely co-host we've won another ashes series mate we've run two on the trot you're gonna love that
1: yeah yeah men's and women's ashes in the bag um getting a bit bored to be honest (laughs) (laughs) it's all a bit easy still predictable, isn't it? The biggest villain of the um, summer is the rain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And look, I think we really need to make a complaint to management about the rain, Bardo. It's been a yeah. real serious
1: problem. The next Ashes is actually going to be Australia versus the rain with occasional interruptions from England. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's going to be really attritional cricket too. It's going to be real. I can yeah. see Joe
2: Root coming Ho- out there.
1: <laughs> Hopefully play resumes in about 15 minutes here when we get England off
0: exactly they're just out there messing around ruining everybody's day you can see how people are bored in the stands
1: I just and I like the imagery of Eng- all of a sudden England run out onto the field a bunch of groundsmen get really annoyed get some tarp and just start <laughs> chucking tarp over the fielders get them off <laughs> protect the pitch <laughs> we're gonna protect
0: the pitch from the palms uh, it's very good Chris it's very good stuff yeah look um, oh, an incredible test match uh, got played, but uh, between the England women and the Australian um, women, obviously, it was truly extraordinary. And mm. a real case for um, five-day women's cricket. I-, I can't believe we're only playing four-day women's cricket. Um, yeah, we should push yeah. out that extra day. I mean, it was wow. thrilling at the end
1: there, you know, to watch. It's thrilling at the end. And, and i really, like, quite amazing how the, uh, the women's game manages to accelerate the scoring in order to facilitate a result just on a dime. You know, I mean, that mm. game that game exploded really quickly. And you're right. Like, it just makes sense to have five days because I was absorbing cricket. Um, but really, we just need an extra half an hour, you know, as well. You know, just to get a result in that game. I, I don't understand. You get that close where it's like 13 runs, one wicket. It's not as if the opposition's going to pat them outside a the little egg. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to go for the win. So I do not understand. I just think that that's done. We need to fix that. Um, but great test match uh, mm. I think it's been pretty entertaining cricket all around the, the women's game you know the, the games that haven't been interrupted by rain have all been really absorbing close contests uh, all going Australia's way so far obviously well the draw it's obviously a draw but uh, yeah exciting stuff and England I think have been more competitive in the women's game than what we, what we anticipated which is really good
0: yeah absolutely mate a couple of their players have been have really stood up and been counted I mean Heather Knight as a test quality batter is, is extraordinary. I mean, I was Mm. saying to Heidi, you know, I'll I'll play the tape in a moment, but um, I I would seriously think about the England men's team should really get her in as a consultant and just talk about test match batting. Um, because what mm. Heather Knight doesn't know about test match batting, especially in cont- Australian conditions, nobody can teach. You know, she's mm. Mm. that the 160-odd not out, you know, in the first dig. is <laughs> a pretty bloody good knock, Chris. Yeah, um, absolutely. And continue that form through the, the ODIs as well. She's, she's in great touch. But unfortunately, like, you know, our bowling's just been too strong um, and our, mm. our fielding's been too strong too. And that's been a delight to watch, but a, a joy, I would say.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look. Any side that can afford to leave least Perry out <laughs> is just clearly a strong team. And then she comes back in um, today and gets a player of the match. Incredible. yeah, Crushes it.
0: And while things are going wonderfully in the women's game, um, in the men's game, things seem to be are all over the joint. Justin Langer yesterday has resigned as the head of the men's cricket team following the um, a lack of endorsement from players following, you know, controversies over management style following being offered a six-month extension through to the end of the T20 World Cup by the Australian, mm. Cricket Australian Board. And and now, a us, a side that dominated 4-0 in the Ashes and recently won the T20 World Cup, is, is in a bit of a state of disarray, Chris, and having to sort of pick up the pieces and find a new coach and start a new culture. It's pretty weird.
1: Yeah, it is. Look, it is bizarre. You know what it reminds me of, Pat? It, it's like a in wrestling. It's like a three man tag match. Okay, Chris. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like, it's like a three man tag match where Pat Cummins, Nick Hockley, and Justin Langer have all been on the same team. You know, first of all, they ran through the the T Twenty World Cup. You know, then they managed to pin England in four. You know, <laughs> in four minutes, and then all of a sudden they're celebrating the win, and out of nowhere. Um, Hockley and Cummins have hit Langer with a chair to the back of the skull <laughs> and they've turned heel. I you mean, know? when you look
0: at it like that, Chris, it's actually a great piece of narrative storytelling, isn't it? I mean, it really that is. is. It's a I sensational mean, piece of action.
1: The, the human element of it is horrendous. Um, but we're talking about cricket, aren't we? You know, So the, the professional wrestling, wrestling writers are thinking, geez, this is a good bit of entertainment. You know, this is going to be... This is going to... I don't know if you know, Pat, but the broadcast rights have transitioned to the WWE network. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I yeah, wouldn't be surprised
0: we're... to see if cricket goes the same way, Chris. and We all just end up there on Vince McMahon's channel, the
1: way things are tracking. Well, there's an argument to say that BBL has about as much legitimacy as the WWE in terms of a sporting <laughs> contest. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs>
0: Far out, mate. You're not wrong. Um, so we will get to that. We'll go and have, we'll have a chat about JL a little later in the show. And we've also got tapes, Chris, to wrap up the South Africa versus India series from our very favorites, Chris Goodrick and uh, dear Jai Singh. So we'll, we'll get to those guys in a little bit as well. But Chris, I wanted to start the show today with a the big chat that I had with Heidi Cheadle Hides, as you can imagine, Bardo, is very excited about this Ashes victory. And I had a really good chat to her on Friday, just gone, about all the action. Here she is.
3: Good afternoon to you, sir.
0: Ah, Good afternoon, Hearts. How the bloody hell are you, pal? I'm
3: so good, man. How
0: are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty bloody all right, Heidi. I'm doing pretty bloody all right. What's my story? I've got so many balls in the air, mate. Um, You'd think I was oh. the palms dropping catches, is what you think.
3: Oh, oh bless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd just uh, open straight out there with a bit of sledging, it's I thought I'd just, just jump <laughs> straight
3: <laughs> into it. I mean, you live your life. Who am I
0: to tell you otherwise, <laughs> dude? Um, we'll get you straight down to brass tacks, Heidi. How how are you feeling? We, we've retained the ashes, hides. We've bloody we got retained
3: them. the ashes. Get with, in
0: with like a game or two to spare. It feels I know. like, but it's been really tight. at The same time, like you the know, test was nom.
3: I agree. I agree. I think it's been such a good contest. It's a shame that it's it's already like it's not over, but it's over now. Like yeah. Um, but still like that test was like it was sort of tennis really it was like whose ball who's it gonna be so that was uh, yeah some excellent excellent cricket perhaps the men <laughs> should uh take a little page out of the gals book what do you reckon
0: well i think i think heather knight once she retires oh, could almost PC, like
3: heather knight we love heather knight she, she could, did it
0: she could just walk straight into the england men's coaching job i think i think she could really <laughs> genuinely teach those fellas a thing or two the way she batted in the test was just incredible
3: I Um, mean it was like back up against the wall 150 every day of the week
0: every day of the week 168
3: knot heights Christ on a bike incredible and we, we didn't we speak about it we're like she's gonna do it and then she did it you know yes, what I we'll have to say it this
0: is why you're the pundit of everybody's dreams because <laughs> you were absolutely <laughs> right on the money with that bud you were right on the bloody dot with it uh, I mean,
3: one uh, does it one can Pat
0: <laughs> it it. I gotta say though man like the fielding has left a lot to be desired don't you reckon there's been a lot of dropped catches of England held a, li- had helped it's a their little catches.
3: scrappy yeah oh
0: boy um, oh yeah what have you made of amy jones behind the stumps Hyde?
3: well i th- i think she i mean she's obviously taking enough right
0: <laughs> i mean you <laughs> yeah. know
3: she, just ask mitch am i right yeah well so,
0: yeah she's been I pretty mean, sharp with a couple of stumpings too yeah. i've been impressed Hyde.
3: Yeah, I, look. To be honest, I think because Sarah Taylor was so excellent, I tip. I go to her and I'm like, well, nobody's as quick as her. Like her hands are insane, and that's mm. not fair, to Amy Jones. <laughs> um, so I do apologize, Amy Jones. Thank you, Rad. Um, I love GM gloves. Who am I kidding? Um, but I, yeah, I feel like I feel like you know she gets a few more runs with the bat. She's you know, she'll. I think she'll look a little more comfortable. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Hides. I think she's maybe yeah. still finding her feet with the blade, but I, I was really impressed with her work with the gloves. Um, I thought she did a, a wonderful job there. And you know, man, I'm just so blown away by Meg Lanning. Like, the she comes out to bat. And they absolutely pack the offside field, you know? Like, you know, credit to Heather Knight. She's watched some tapes. She's played Knifey Spoony before. She I knows mean, what's gonna happen, yeah. right? We she,
3: know where Meg's going. Yeah. She's
0: gonna go between cover and backward point. And point. And yeah. Somehow
3: <laughs> And she does. Somehow. <laughs> you can know, have a nine just... one and she'd get there. Like yeah. <laughs> take the keeper out, stack her on the off, and yeah. she still get it through.
0: And Meg would somehow still slap it through there. She's she's incredible in that area. It's and mate, like so good. Beth freaking Mooney coming out with plates in her face and just what just playing emotion. on, hides. What is that?
3: Just like as if it never happened. Yeah. You, just, you get on with it. You get on with it. And then she gets a cheeky 60-odd in the second innings of the test. So she really came out there and like, good on it. It was top score, wasn't it? I think second innings it was.
0: Yeah. It was really like we lost. Rachel Haynes went for four. Healy got yeah. a dark. And so she comes to the crease, uh, dear Beth Mooney, um, when we're already a couple down. That's bloody, bloody impressive stuff, Look,
3: mate. It's it is. It is. She, I mean, she's just, she's, she's right up there. And do you know what else? Talia McGrath. Like, if the world was on fire, I would trust her to put it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I fe- do you know what? I I'm not going to go one further and say Talia McGrath probably has the answer to COVID. COVID, let's be honest climate change She's got this i reckon
0: she could solve it right.
3: she is just an absolute wizard bat ball whatever you need and and how impressed were you with
0: darcy brown heidi especially oh, after the sorry. one day yesterday
3: oh i know i know what a little treasure getting in there as a child <laughs> i mean i know i know how we've spoken about child child's children's before but you know what it, the, she's she got the job was it four wickets she got yeah yes yeah. love that and sorry we'll just juxtapose that RIP Had a night cheeky little LBW don't refer that my friend <laughs> you're on your way you've got your runs unfortunately oh see ya it was
0: mind-blowingly plumb too oh, it, I was, mean, it was it
3: was it was so plumb if I that's that's how you would that's the perfect LBW it's like there's no leg before we get done
0: <laughs> and and Hyde's I've been really impressed with Alana King as well like I'm, oh,
3: my God. Sorry, let's just take, let's have a, a wee pause for when we thought that her back foot was going to make that no ball. Did yeah. you see her face? It was like, oh, please, please no, please no, please no. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got it, so we're okay. Character building, I'd say. Mad.
0: It, extremely character building. And, like, what an innings with the bat, too, in the in the test. Oh, I
3: know. Gutsy, like, she, she had to put it all out there and, and it came off.
0: It slapped a four looked like comfortable oh, if a little weird it did
3: I, I, you know what maybe she's like she's kind of finding her feet like she, I, I feel like Azalana King you think maybe I'd get a run at the T20 oh they're washed out that's a shame but what an incredible experience mm. no no she got picked for everything <laughs> every format and she's getting in there she's you know she's in the ring doing it like what an absolute champion
0: yeah she's a real I hope gun. this is
3: like the start for her yeah like
0: it's, Keep were around. It was one of those series, Heidi, where like every game, so we had our, our veterans getting in there and, and, and being amazing, you know, Meg and, and Elise too with the bat and the ball. But it was great to see these really young players like Darcy Brown and Um, Alana getting in there and and really proving themselves as being top class cricketers like
3: yes like shout out to the selectors like making sure that yes you've done well you've picked the right people for this like that's awesome for them
0: and as you say backing backing king you know a young leggy in the test was was a pretty huge selection call and she really paid off Um I I was really impressed with her. She turns the ball a lot. She looks really solid. Um she got some wickets. I I don't know, Harts. I think it just bodes really well for women's cricket going forward.
3: Absolutely. I mean Georgia Ware, I'm like, she'll be back and I just my heart breaks every time I think about what she did to her knee. What did she do to her knee? And the timing of it. Sorry? What did she
0: do to her knee?
3: Oh she ACL. She's done. Like, the beginning of WBBL, like, it was just heartbreaking. Because she went down and the look on her face was like, I know what I've done and I hate this. It sucks. It sucked. And, obviously, Soph Molyneux was injured as well. But I think the fact that it was sort of like, yes, it's such a big honour for Alana King, but also she's kind of got nothing to lose because there is another leg spinner that will come good eventually. So, she kind of had just free reign. And and whatever mindset she was able to get into was just incredible. I mean... Mm representing like getting your baggy green is insane anyway but then odi key <laughs> 20 like the whole thing is just a dream like it's just incredible i
0: yeah.
3: i hate her no i'm kidding <laughs>
0: like getting three caps no. in three weeks it's pretty Man, phenomenal hard huh? it's pretty you need it
3: you'd need like a room for them yeah, yeah just like a hat shelf
0: oh, you need you need at least a a a mantelpiece hardy a really nicely wiped Wouldn't down you? yes wooden you know, waxed yeah, with feature
3: lights just to light up under the cap. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I'm with you. Oh yeah, I'm with you. Um, oh, I'm with you. You know what else I was really uh, pleased? F- sh- oh, you go. Oh yeah, but you tell me. Oh no, no. no please. I let's have please. one
0: thing I wanted to be pleased about, which was um, seeing Megan shoot Bowling Hugh huge innings in a one-dayer.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the way that she got um, uh, wired out, I would have been like, what? <laughs>
0: <What happened? laughs> excuse me that ball started to happened. cover <laughs> <laughs> it started to cover and it hit leg stump uh, that is rude that is that actually
3: is, that is like what do you do you know what I mean what Unfair. Do do? what can you do but I will say on um, if we flick the other way though like it's obviously like if I was sort of your onion shrub or certainly a Kate cross you'd be like Jesus I gotta I gotta win this and I'm a bowler great mm. but and, you know, call me boring or old fashioned here, but I'm not sure the whole lap sort of cheeky sweep from mm. Shrubsole to get runs is your best bet. Like, could she not have driven that for a single? Get down the other end. We've rotated the strike. We've got a run and we haven't lost a wicket. She got bold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know they, what I mean? They fell apart. Is it really panic? Quickly. Is
3: it stress? Is it. Inexperienced because like she's a bowler, but also she's bowling for a country, so she's probably battered a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like there's maybe a little bit of panic. Yeah. I kind of thought. I kind of thought similar. Um, and I I don't want to use the D word, disappointed, but um, (laughs) in uh, in the old test match, I thought England really had it and then their middle sort of order, the ones, like Dunk was on a roll and then she just kind of, it felt like she threw it away. Like she got caught in the boundary, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Like I just kind of feel like you don't need to panic. You're cruising. You're in. You're seeing the ball. You just need to keep doing exactly what you're doing. There's no need to panic now. And then, you know, it starts to get to the tail. And then let's flip it on back, back to my gal King. How incredible bowling it over with literally every fielder around the bat. Like, that doesn't happen every day. That's amazing.
0: I know, Hydes. I the know. The
3: vibes. You'd be like, oh. Like, that's just... it's. It was honestly such an incredible contest, wasn't it? Like, oh, my God. I kind of wish they did play five days. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, give me more of it.
0: Well, if we played five days, Hides, Australia would have undoubtedly won that test. Like, there's no way England would have been able to hold on. But it would have also, like... I think we de- we declared in both innings, right? We declared nine down in the first and seven down in the second, and undoubtedly we would have batted longer. The game would have had we would have more opportunity there across the thing, and and I wonder if it, the English middle order would have changed their approach as well. It was strange the way that Amy Jones and Catherine Brunt and you know they just got out out, out after out after out. You know four four six three zero one is is the whole yeah. second half of that that dig there. And, you know, as you say, a couple of those um, really didn't need to happen. Like after the dunk went for the tonk, it just wasn't wasn't necessary at all. And yeah, you're right. I
3: agree. It, it panicky I agree. hides.
0: Panicky indeed.
3: And look, obviously cricket's the easiest game to play from the sidelines. Am I right? Oh, like, look. You're still playing for your country. You do the best that you can. We respect it. But look, you've asked for my two cents. There it is. Um, but yeah, I just think, but you know, I will say like, I think it does filter down though. I feel like lots of times a T20 people panic and it's like, actually you mm. do have more time than you think. And that kind of stressful mindset does leak through. I feel like at all levels, ages, grades, it's kind of a thing, but whenever I watch like the WBBL or the BBL, you always think like you back the batting team, don't you? Cause more mm. often than not, they come through. Yeah. I just think you just, you got to just make sure you keep reacting to the ball and get too pre-empty in the head and just like one ball at a time. You don't need to be hoiking to cow, <laughs> you've got somebody who can catch it, <laughs> like to, like takes one to know one. The amount of times I've been hoiking at cow, <laughs> unsuccessfully, I could write a book. But I think it's a one-page book. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't do it. It's, you know, think Silly about hoinking oh, it to cow and then make a different choice. You know? And then
3: cheeky one off the hip, get down the other get end, of your end. life, create some boundaries, and I mean, then get back into it.
0: I mean, you would have thought, um, you know, Shrub Soul's just uh, 30-odd, I believe. And, and you would have thought with that, with the amount of time and, 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 you know, experience she has in the game, you would have thought she'd know a bit better. Than that, but you look. We, as you say, hides. We all have brain fades. It's it's just that when the that panic gets in the dressing room, it can sort of echo around. And I think it's interesting that we've seen it happen to the English sides, both in the men's Ashes and in the women's Ashes. They've the English have been right on top, and they've been you know right in the game, and then a couple of quick wickets, and they completely fall apart. And we've seen that consistently across. Formats across games across this whole summer and I think they've really got to take a look at it mate because that's a problem you know
3: yep that is that is a wise perspective Patrick thank you Heidi <laughs> yeah that you know good. and do you know what whilst you were just saying that maybe I mean it's a big stage they're you know and obviously it's easy to critique them because they're the ones on the television it's not like they're playing club cricket where they, you know hide around whatever happens but maybe it wasn't stress maybe it was like we've got this. I'm backing myself to hit this ball. Mm. So like maybe their ideas were like there, but they were just mis-executed or that energy went into then nervous energy, which then last minute pulls them into that. Like, I'm not sure. Could be, you know, like misguided feelings or responses. Maybe the intention was there. It just didn't come off. But maybe because they did have that collapse and not the best people for the job are out there, but, you know, it's a it's team game after or you can't, You know, it is what it is. You just kind of have to do the best that you can. So, like, lots on the line stress, the height of it, you know, you're wanting to do your best, but you can't always have that great day out. Maybe it's just like a a bunch of things. Like, at the end of the day, they are just people, aren't they? Like, brain fades, whatever it is. Like, ain't that the bloody truth.
0: Um, Mate, was there any uh, outside of Heather, was there any other English players that you were impressed by or who stood up or you thought um, improved their reputation?
3: I um I was pleased to see that I want to say Dean, mm. she got her first test wicket.
0: Yeah, love that, young Charlie. And we
3: love that. We love that. <laughs> also, th- sorry. Yes. So, Dean, new to the new to the side, she's in the scorebooks. Good for her. Mad. <laughs> then, if we go back to um, some less shiny people, um. I love Brunt's emotional energy. I love, like, I just, she cares so much and she just wants to do it. And, like, you can't, I don't think you can teach that and you certainly can't ignore it. And I think somebody like that just is, like, in a losing team, like, that's the kind of person you'd want because they know, I feel like no matter what she believes that they were going to, like, and she did, she, I mean, she carried their their team. She constantly took wickets. She always made, like, she was come on and she made, she affected play. Mad. And like she's been doing it for so long, which is great, but it's not like she did it a lot, a little bit, and then came back. Like it almost seems like, as I've sort of grown up watching her, she's just as consistent, if not more.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, in hard. being
3: that person for England, which is awesome. I also thought Kate Cross had a good crack. I mean, she worked so hard, so hard, so hard in the test. And then finally got her wickets in the ODI. So I was like, "That's got to be good for a bowl. That shows some resilience. We love to see resilience.
0: We love.
3: <laughs> um, we love that, don't we? we and do. then we do. one of my favourite <laughs> English cricketers, aside from Jenny Gunn, is Siva because I just I just love the way she goes about things. And when she dropped that absolute dolly off bun oh, and man. she just lied on the couch, <laughs> it's exactly how you feel. You'd be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. Does it really affect play? Um, do I think I'm a terrible cricketer because I dropped this catch? No, but it's just like, how did all this happen? And I'm, like, <laughs> lifeless on the floor. Like, and then Brunt is, like, steaming. And I was just like, at the end of the day, they're obviously mates, they'd play forever, but I just... It really, really tickled me. I
2: was just
3: like, oh, man, guys, you're so close. And it's almost like it's so out that it couldn't have been. It was such a dolly, Heidi. And it was like, nah.
0: You know, I even think that somebody in my ninth grade side may have been able to hold on to that. That was... (laughs) <laughs> absolute sitter and and you gotta say like if i was to throw a criticism at the english hides it was that the fielding across the t20 across the test and now across the one day, has really left a lot to be desired like they have dropped a lot of simple catches across that whole thing and look we weren't perfect either um but the the, the catching and the fielding was and it was strangely there were some really great run outs in, especially yes, like the Ash Garden run-out yes. was sharp, like that was oh, great. Man, yeah. But Hyde, you've yeah. got to take dollies like that. If you drop dollies like that, you, you're gonna lose games. Like there's just no way yeah. around that, you know? We've got it, yeah, yeah. Little 1% is right, they all add up. Catches win bloody matches, Hyde. It doesn't even matter what grade you're playing yeah. at. If you're dropping you're those boys, wrong. <laughs> Um Yeah,
3: you, you could create a hundred chances, but you only need to successfully convert 10 of them, done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you're giving them away, it also sucks the life out of the bowling side. Like poor old poor <laughs> Brunt. Poor Catherine Brunt bowled oh 20 overs in the first dig, in the test. She bowled about 10 in the second and then backs up bowling 10 again. <laughs> you know, this is her 40th <laughs> over <laughs> in the last like couple of weeks. <laughs> and mid on oh, okay. drops an absolute sitter. It's like, please. Please, for the love of God. Just I know. And, and you
3: know what? Case in point, you you compare that to Darcy's Brown's over the head running away from the ball, like yeah. diving, catching the test, and it's like, that is amazing. Well done. Yeah. Like forget good it. Good for you.
0: And, and the same goes. yeah, the... whatever
3: else happens, you can't deny skill and execution.
0: And the same goes for the court and bolts. You know, we had a couple of court oh, and yeah. bolts that were really, really sharp. Um yeah, oh. Darcy's Browns was was really sharp. JJ's was really sharp as well.
3: Yeah, yeah that was mad. Also, RIP at Perry, first ball, Eccleston. You <laughs> can <leader. laughs> be like, oh my gosh, I just got
2: here, please. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: Eccleston really impressed me. I thought I thought she bowled really wonderfully. Uh, um
3: she's the leading spin bowler in the world, isn't she? Uh, yeah, I'm she's pretty sure that's out. yeah, that's yeah.
0: And you can see why, man. Like she's she's quality.
3: Um, no, I'd I'd love to face it. I'd love to line up all the best ones in the world and just be like, "Let's have a crack." How how can
2: yeah, bamboozle me?
0: Yeah, bamboozle <laughs> me, riddle me this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hides, um, thanks so much, bud. I, I really enjoyed chatting to you about all of this. And I'm also pleased to say that you were absolutely spot on. When we previewed the Ashes, you were like, PC, my girls are going to do it. And you were bloody spot on, And <laughs> My girls did
3: it.
0: And uh, we do bloody love that. And it's going to be fun watching these last couple of games as well just to see what happens. But it's great to know that we've got the Ashes all sorted out. And thanks so much for your input, Heidi, your thoughts, your analysis. You're a bloody gem.
3: You're a bloody gem. Takes a gem to know a gem, PC. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> always, always up for a little chitty chat, and I do hope the contest continues. And I have absolutely no doubt that um, Healy will come out and get a hundred. I'm going to put it out there. She's strong enough and good enough to like not let it phase her. A couple of ducks here and there. It happens. Game time. Bring her back. <laughs> she's on she's, she's on folks
0: she's on thanks Hardy. you're the best we'll chat All to right. you soon
3: All right, see you.
0: see you mate Big thanks to Heidi Cheadle. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hides. great to chat. And Chris, you know, she's been uh, having a pretty good time with the gloves and the bat too for Gordon this year, our Hides. Even yeah. if Captain captaincy's had its struggles, she's doing all right. She's very, very stoked, as you can hear, about all the young stars coming through. Your Darcy Browns, your Talia McGraths. Just a lot
1: of talent, Chris. A lot of talent in action. I'll tell you who I'm big on. I'm big on Alana King, mate. She's a ripper. Hell yeah. She's a ripper. Hell yeah, Chris. Two two things. One, she's got the um, the Ollie Robinson uh, sunnies on, which she bowls, which is <laughs> should just be mandatory now. And Absolutely, very powerful. Second of all, have you ever heard of a spin bowler moving to Western Australia in order to get more game time? Uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> that's unusual. That's that's turned the wrong way. Like, it's <laughs> real... Uh, oh, very hey, nice, hey.
0: Chris. Very nice. That took me a second, but that's actually genuinely very clever. Thank I was going to say it's real 4D chess, but yours is 100% smarter than mine. Um, My friend, in the tradition of uh, when England get beaten at something, I thought it would be good to reach out to Tom Hawkey and see how disappointed he was um, about losing the women's ashes on the back of losing the men's. Um, so I've got a quick tape from him here you'd be interested to hear it. would love to. Let's fire him up, folks. Here's Tom K. Hawkey, our British correspondent. They say the
2: next big thing is here, that the revolution's near. But to me, it seems quite clear that it's all just a little bit of history
3: repeating.
4: Oh, it's great. Yes. yes, dear friends, it's time for your weekly missive of misery <laughs> from a myth Midlander. I hope you're not sick of me complaining, because that's all I seem to be able to do these days. Following on from the men's ashes disaster, the women's squad set out to prove they're just as good. The first T20 saw England post what might have been a competitive score of 169, but Meg Lanning and Talia McGrath made light work of things and won the match with three overs to spare. McGrath had earlier taken three for 26 too, Sometimes, the player of the match is easy to award. The Adelaide rain spared any further blushes for England, leaving the series poised at 4-2 heading into the only test of the series. And boy, was it a cracker! After Australia declared on 337, England were very nearly obliterated. In a tale as old as time, the England cricket team relied on vital runs from their captain to avoid total humiliation. Captain Heather Knight scored 75% of England's first innings total with her 168 not out and ensured England could fight on. As a side note, just imagine if Heather Knight and Joe Root had a baby. Surely the kid would go on to be the first player to score 20,000 test runs whilst of course losing every match that they played in.
0: <laughs> Hold up there TK. Chris, do you, think that's a fair, uh, do you think that's a fair estimation of what that child may grow to be? I think that's a bit unfair on Heather Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got a really good record, doesn't she? <laughs> um,
1: great batsman, Joe, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah very solid. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Uh, it is, as Tom said so eloquently at the front, so strange to see history repeating um, and credit to England for being able to pick their best batter as their captain. I mean, there's there's no shade around that. But if you look down that scorecard, Chris, you've got 4, 5, 168, 15, 15, 15, 13, 1, 9, 3, 34, 11. Yeah, that, that tells you a lot about how that innings went,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. She's managed to sh- shoulder press an entire innings there, which is, <laughs> you know, she's doing endorsement deals with CrossFit GB. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, F45 Great yeah. Britain is making an <laughs> F- absolute monster. F45 <laughs> ambassador, Heaven Knight. Heather Knight. Just doing shoulder presses. Back to TK.
4: Much of the third day was lost to rain, and so Meg Lanning chose to declare midway through the middle session on the final day, setting England 257 from 48 overs. Now surely, needing to go at five and over on a fourth day pitch, England would just bat out for the draw. Not so. They came out in full ODI mode, swinging for the boundaries and getting them with ease. The total started to come down, 91 off 90 balls. Australia kept chipping in with wickets but England kept countering with runs, 53 needed off 66, 44 off 54, 24 from 28 and then the wheels came off. Brunt caught behind, Shrubsol run out, Dean caught behind. Suddenly. England were nine down, and despite needing just 13 from the final 12 balls, the risk was too great, and England's final pair batted out those last two overs to secure the most thrilling of draws. More women's tests in the future, please. These players deserve more than a solitary four-day test in every series.
0: Yeah, hold up there, TK. Couldn't agree more with that sentiment, but uh, I mean, and as Tom so well uh, brilliantly said there, you know, it was really so close. And that really could have gone either way. And it was just such a shame to see that they, as you say, Chris, didn't give an extra half an hour or have a whole extra day to play. Mm. And that we aren't seeing more women's test cricket in general.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it just feels like a bit of a, a missed opportunity. A-
1: absolutely. Look, And as much as we talk about the the thrill of, of batting for a draw and managed to, to hang on the entire day, and, what and that's certainly a, a great part of test cricket. Absolutely. But I love the way that they as I said, turned the run rate on a dime and, yeah. and had a go and, and risked losing the uh, the game in order to win it. I, I thought that, that that was magnificent, really exciting stuff. And I completely agree with you. I think more test match cricket for the women's uh, game is required. Something I do love about the women's game, though, which I think is, is really adds an extra element to it, though, is the multi-format dimension to it. I think that mm. that kind of um, adds a bit of spice to the whole tour. It, it n- nicely kind of um, threads together the the ODIs, the the T20s, and and the Test match. So it's absolutely yeah, we need it. We need another Test match in there. We need more Tests for women, women's cricket. But the element that I wouldn't lose is is the multi-format component to it because I think that that's something potentially that the men's game could borrow. Because all of a sudden, you know, those those three random ODIs. That the men play, that really, were we really fussed about the? Like, I mean, we are, the the games in New Zealand were lost, but did we really care? But if, if not massively, not massively, yeah. And if they were threaded through, you know, if you if you looked at England as an entire cricketing squad, and all of a sudden we have five Test matches against England, and then we have you know three ODIs and then three T20s, all of all of a sudden the fact that England suck at red Bull cricket probably doesn't matter as much, if. They get it back, get it back, in, the get white it back in the white ball. So they might yeah. lose the Ashes, but win the Ashes tour, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's an, in, that's
1: an exciting element of the women's game. So absolutely, we need more test matches in order to get that balance right. But I hope that the, the concept of the multi-format series or tour is not lost. Yeah. Great points, Chris.
4: And so the series hung in the balance as we entered the three ODIs. Australia needed to win just one of them to claim the ashes, whereas England needed at least two wins in a draw. England won that first toss and put Australia in, and soon had them 67 for 4, ultimately restricting them to 206. This was England's game to lose. And lose it they did. (laughs) Aussie bowling and regular wickets meant England ended 27 runs short. (laughs) A combination of the time difference and Pat Cullen's showbiz schedule means i'm recording this with two matches still to go but the ashes have already been snapped up by australia england could win both remaining games and tie the series up but we all know that's not going to happen i predict two more close games both going australia's way no matter what england have managed to do well australia have done it slightly better these two teams are more balanced than the men's were but the better team has won
0: in both series Thank you, TK. And I'm apologizing to all my correspondents today, folks. Um, I, I've picked up a pretty cool gig, Chris. Um, I'm flying off on Thursday, no, earlier than that. Um to the Wit Sundays. I'm in a Whoa. tourism campaign for for the Tourism Sundays. so I'm going to be rocking around on a boat in the Sundays and doing a bit of uh, whitewater rafting, bungee jumping, and something else, um, TBD, so uh, that's the reason why this pod is a little frantic today, and <laughs> all of the correspondence might be a little rushed,
1: but I appreciate everybody working around my schedule, I'm yeah, the guy that has well,
0: to edit it, so I
1: appreciate it. That's right, you've got some runs on the board, Pat, um, and good thing too, because we're all a little miffed. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're spending a few credits on this one. Um, no. <laughs> you've got uh, to eat.
0: I appreciate that, Chris. I, You know,
1: I've got my credits. I'm going to spend them. You know, smoke them if you've got
0: them, Chris. That's that, what I'm thinking. That's, that's where right. I'm at.
1: Look, and, you know, look, you've got to eat. And if you're going to eat, it may as well be a papaya or mango. Oh, or isn't that right? I mean, Whatever mango. they have on the Whitsun. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. What they oh, yeah. yeah. Get them I into my life, but that's all I've got to say. I hope you get gastro. Um <laughs>
0: i was going to go with speaking of gastro do you want to hear from Spinks? but i don't know if that's fair
1: <laughs> he's the shit. um yeah sure oh nice chris
0: nice that is really good that's a powerful yeah. wordplay gastro for you. You're really so definitely thanks <laughs> uh let's fire him up let's hear alex Spinks's perspective uh, about this most recent series victory <music> all the hits from the correspondents today. They might not be happy about having to do tapes at short notice, but they know how to drop the jams, Chris.
5: Hello everyone, and welcome to a premature summary by an immature sphinx. I'm recording this wrap-up of the Women's Ashes series before a ball has been bowled in the penultimate ODI, and if Tina Turner wasn't a giveaway there, I think the top-ranked team in all formats of cricket are going to get the job done at home. Australia started the series by producing the equivalent of an older sibling sparring with their younger sibling with one hand tied behind their back by having a coach smash their batting destroyer Beth Mooney in the face with a cricket ball two days before the match and, to quote Beth herself here, split my jawbone in two down the centre of my chin. I felt sorry for the girls who had to bat in the net after I left because there were a few pools of blood down that end. Yeah, Beth. That was definitely everyone's number one concern at that point. Hold up there, Spinksy. Yeah, we forgot to talk about this, Chris. Hell's
0: teeth. Beth Mooney getting a jaw broke in Twain, bleeding all over the net and coming back to play the test match.
1: Yeah. Yeah, incredible, incredible recovery. You know, like Rocky-like stuff. Um, Huge. Huge. I wouldn't have done it. No, what? are
0: you? No way, Chris. I yeah. would have taken the Panadine Fort and sat in bed and sucked jelly through a straw. And she was literally out there taking catches, running around, being an absolute gun, batting three for Australia. Like far out, Beth Mooney, mate. I, you know, we've been fans on this podcast for a long time, Chris, and we have. In, in a rare instance, we were right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and continues to prove us right. And that's what's really what's important here.
0: Uh. <laughs> not beth mooney's toughness or skill yeah. but the fact that you and i chris picked a winner <laughs> uh,
1: in fact i can reveal um the two for none sent her a series of texts going get back in there <laughs> uh,
0: get back in the fray beth <laughs>
1: Get up, get up, your bum! Um, no, we, we didn't. No, we, we didn't do that. We we did do that. Really concerned about her welfare and really glad yeah. that she's making a recovery and super impressed that she's she's uh, managed to take the field and continue to be a force for the uh, for the women's cricket team.
0: Yeah, phenomenal. To think about making 63 in an Ashes Test, um, batting at three when you've got a broken jaw is, I mean,
5: mate, that's incredible stuff. Mm, phenomenal. Back to the Spinks. In the match itself. England's openers Tammy Beaumont and Danny Wyatt put on a record opening partnership against Australia for England, carting the Aussies all around the field, Beaumont hitting three cracking pull shots for four and one over, and then Wyatt crunching Jonathan straight back over head for successive sixes, before Beaumont became Alana King's first international wicket on debut. England put on a second successive 50-run partnership when Nat Skyver joined Wyatt in the middle, Skyver plundering 16 runs off one Alana carry over before, entering from stage left, won Talia McGrath. In her third over, McGrath seemed a little peeved by the aforementioned run plundering and started taking that anger out on the stumps. In three balls, she yorked Nat Skyver back to the pavilion, graciously let the incoming English captain Heather Knight get off strike, and then yorked Danny Wyatt back into the change rooms as well. But these late innings fireworks seem to have come a little too late, with England posting 169 on the scoreboard, requiring Australia to break their record for biggest total to chase down, the fifth highest in women's T20s
0: ever. Hold up there, Spinksy. I just wanted to quickly mention how awesome Talia McGuire is here, buddo. Just to say that across all of the games, there's been five matches so far... Um, she's got a high score of ninety-one. She's averaging fifty-six across all formats. She's also taken ten wickets at thirteen. But uh, so I'm, um, you know, we talk a lot, you and I, in relation to Cameron Green about and others about having that batting bowling averages and the difference between. But uh, fifty-six and thirteen is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: all right. Um- I'll tell you what though, when you talk about averages of 56 and 13, for most punters around the country, it's flipped the other way. It's a batting average of 13 and a bowling average of 56. <laughs> average
0: 56.
1: So clearly, again, the depth of the women's uh, national team is, is phenomenal. And it's really like, I think that that's one of the great things about the women's BBL, by the way, which I think is a significantly mm. um, more interesting competition than the men's BBL from a, from a fan's perspective because it's plays such a critical role in terms of the development of the women's game internationally. And it's great because we've seen English players come out, we've seen West Indian cricketers come out and they're able to play against the likes of Beth Mooney and, and Tahlia McGrath and all that sort of thing. And, and we're starting to see some really close competitive matches, you know, worldwide. Yeah. So um, that's really, really exciting and, and um, you know, great to see, um, you know, obviously we've had some pretty uh, good names come up in recent years in terms of your Alyssa Healy's and your, your Elise Perry's and your Meg Lanning's and that sort of thing. But Talia McGrath's probably not a name that we've spoken about a lot, as good a cricketer as she is. Um, so yeah. it's nice to kind of see someone else uh, step up and and take some limelight because it shows that the team will be uh, in safe hands for a
5: while yet. Yeah?
0: yeah, you're not wrong, Chris. Back to Smixy.
5: Sophie Eccleston took the best possible first step to defending their total by removing the slow starting Alyssa Healy for seven from nine. But then I'm pretty sure I heard Talia McGrath say hold my beer before sauntering out to the middle to absolutely destroy the English bowling attack with three overs to spare, scoring 91 runs off 49 deliveries alongside Meg Lenning who hit a comparatively sedate 61 off 44. McGraw would be forgiven for wishing that England had scored an extra 110 runs so she could have scored T20 Cricket's first ever double century. Such was the mode she was in. <laughs> after this match, England returned to the selection table to ring in one of Bardi's favourites. A selection shock. <laughs> Luckily for the team, this player had hung around these Australian shores after the men's ashes wrapped up, working on their tan, and England came calling once more. The first name on the team sheet for the next two T20Is, of course, was the F***ing Rain. <laughs> Where We need Qantas to start checking England's carry-on luggage for weather machines or instructional DVDs of rain dancing But the downtime was not wasted by Australia It allowed them to devote all their time and energy into completing the finishing touches on their goddamn Terminator project As Beth Mooney was declared fit to play in the test match Remember her from before? The one whose jaw got split in half when her chin tried to catch a throwdown? The one who was spraying gobfuls of blood and presumably machine oil into puddles in nets? <laughs> The one who now has three titanium plates bolted into her face and can only eat through a f- straw like a mosquito. Yeah, still up for a game or four of cricket, apparently. Wanted to top score on the third innings to give Australia a competitive total to defend, too. And speaking of, can we not do two incredibly tight down-to-the-wire holding Beth Mooney's jaw-together white-knuckle-close test matches in one summer, please? One is enough. <laughs> At least in the Sydney test, there was no way Australia was going to lose. It was win or draw. This bloody thing had me pacing around the room, unable to look at the television for more than 10 seconds at a time. Meg Lanning's declaration seemed like great aggressive cricket. But Heather Knight had already claimed 168 runs in the second innings and decided she wanted 48 more in the fourth. Nat Skyver wanted a half-century, so she took that. Sophia Dunkley, in just her second test match, decided to hit 45 at a strike rate of 140. We had Mooney, Terminator toing and throwing in the outfield to make catches. Alana King almost ruling out a wicket with a backfoot no ball. Bloody hell! <sighs> Kane Cornholder can go jump, I reckon. This test match was epic. But God, I love an English batting collapse. And then, the ODIs start. Cyborg Mooney top-scored for Australia in a match, because of course she did, where England had managed to stifle the Aussie batters most of the way through. They also gave Elise Perry just her second golden duck in ODI cricket. The Canberra pitch proved to be just as sticky in England's innings, with the Australian bowlers also proving difficult to hit off the square, and young superstar in training Darcy Brown got the best bowling figures of the match with four for 34 from her full 10 overs.
0: Hold up there, Spinksie. Uh, so much great stuff there mm. from the Spinks. Uh, I think Terminator Mooney's going to come into our lexicon, Chris. Yeah, um, I'm putting that
1: thats that straight in. Pretty much um, the whole time Alex was talking, the, sound, the Terminator soundtrack was going through my head. You know, just the bit where it's like... Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. yeah yeah, yeah.
0: We'll have to, so, i'll have to start putting that underneath whenever we talk about beth mooney i'll just I'll yeah lay if bit. we
1: could like fade out of this episode with that music that'd be that'd be ace. <laughs> yeah i can do that chris
0: i'll do that for you consider it done um mate do you see i i'm not sure if you caught as, as much of it i saw a fair bit of it but the pitch in canberra was wild it was like we were playing in india it was the lowest slowest skittiest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. A couple of the reviews, everybody got out LBW. Like the whole, both teams, everyone got out LB because this thing was sliding on so ridiculously, you you wouldn't even read about it. Like no one was getting a
1: ball above chest height. It was really weird. Do you think that the curator for Canberra and the curator for Hobart don't like each other and have really... (laughs) Just to have really They're at war. Yeah, at war. <laughs> That's not how you prepare a pitch. This is how this you, prepare, is how a you prepare a pitch. you Yeah. You want, you want a result? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll give you a result. Do you know what it is, Chris? I think it's a real star-crossed lover situation. I think it's a real yeah. Romeo and Jet, Juliet sort of vibe, you know? House, house um, grass
1: versus house of dust.
5: <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's very good. I also think that'd be great names for like vampires in, in your next um YHA fiction, Chris, when you get to writing that.
1: <laughs> Rolled them all to grass. Um yeah, I don't know. I I i never got big into the vampires. Um I'm more a more a wizard kind of guy. Uh I have loved the Witcher. Uh um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Love the show. Witcher. Brilliant. Sensational. Henry Cavill is uh poof got a bit man crush. Henry Cavill. He could I mean uh,
0: he's a dream boat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have uh, um, this concept in my head which I just call my movie, and oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's just this thing where it's like if so, if I'm gonna have like a biopic, it's kind of like a biopic slash. I'm also <laughs> writing a movie epic, which is probably now uh-huh. a, it's probably now a trilogy because everyone does a trilogy now. Anyway, <laughs> sure. Whenever I really like an actor, so say for example, yeah. um, Daniel Day Lewis. After I watched There Will Be Blood, I'm yeah, like sure. He's in my movie, you know. So, uh-huh. so Daniel Day-Lewis is in my movie. Henry Cavill's in my movie. Yeah. Uh, Joel Edgerton is in my movie. Great. Who's so playing me, thoughts.
0: Chris? Just out of interest, have you cast me yet? I
1: haven't cast. I haven't cast you specifically, but I'll, 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 I'll give me give it some thought. Um, you might I think a
0: Hemsworth's in, a really good shot. I, I think they've got the uh, same body type.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think you got a better shot at Simon Pegg, but. Um, <laughs>
0: To be fair, I think Simon Pegg would do a great job. I think he would think do a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think I could. I, Nick Frost could play me. At certain points in my life, Nick Frost could play me quite well.
0: <laughs> well. I think that casting was really well. That's such a good double team. Let's do that. Anyway, listen, we've got to get back to Spinks. He's only got a minute left. Let's hit him.
5: A much more straightforward and slower paced ODI was exactly what we needed after that test. Now, as this podcast will be out either around or after the conclusion of the last two ODIs, I can only predict what will have happened. Hmm. Let's see. Beth Mooney will have returned to the lab for an oil change, only to return for the last ODI before being lowered into a pool of molten steel in order to stave off Judgment Day until we get to the very disappointing third film. Elise Perry will scream "Remember me, suckers!" and hit two hundred six runs and seven overs. And Darcy Brown will have swung a ball so viciously behind Timmy Beaumont's legs that Shane Warne would describe it as half volley
1: at leg stump. <laughs>
5: until next time, champions.
2: You're simply-
0: Oh, that's that's some great editing there from Speaks. That is some top stuff. I I tell you what, Chris, I, I really do enjoy the fact that all of our correspondents are really upping their audio game yeah. here. Uh, it's getting very very punchy.
1: We've we've successfully pitted them against each other in order to achieve a result. <laughs> it's worked really well. We're person. basically
0: approaching them like the uh, curators from Canberra and Hobart, Chris. You know, that's pitting right. them together. The real Game each of Thrones so
5: situation. Out.
0: <laughs> Great stuff from Speaks And look, he wasn't wrong Beth Mooney today and Sorry, no um, Elise Perry today Won the game for the Aussies She really um, did Was Yeah, and she was sensational Took wickets, made runs Was nothing short of bloody sensational So you got to love that, Chris Um and with the victory today, the last game is going to be a dead rubber. And as the guys say, you know, more than likely will be a, a Aussie victory, Chris, um, before we fully wrap up the, uh, the women's ashes here, mate, and, and move on to thinking about, um, these tests against South Africa and, and India. Was there anything that was lingering in your brain that, uh, uh, that you felt about this whole series, anything else that's really impressed
1: you or stay with you? Uh, look, just the last bit I suppose was being there where he said, uh, at least Perry came out and said, Remem- Remember me. And then that set off another song in my head, which is that song from Blue Boy back in like 97, where it's like, <laughs> Remember me, I'm the one. Yeah, anyway, you know the one. I know. I have to be, yes, I. I yeah, think, I remember. Um, didn't Tammy Parler do a cover of that?
0: They certainly did, Chris. Yeah. They certainly did. Really good. In fact, that cover is playing as we speak. You don't know this because we're living in the present, but I will put it in.
1: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Very good. I you know, it'll finish off with, don't, 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 don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's a very um, a confusing episode, auditorially.
0: <laughs> Listen, we're covering a lot of territory in terms of tone here. Yeah. A lot of tone territory, Chris. But I yeah. think we're entitled to, because we've had two really wonderful wins. And while there are problems in the world, and there is problems in Australian cricket, and we're going to go and talk about that at some point, I think we've got to be really pleased here, Chris. I think mm. we're really pleased, you know. Um, it's not often that you get this big double victory and get to see all of these great players in their prime. And I've been thinking a lot when I've been thinking about the women's game, Chris, about, and I've said this to you before, Mm. but um, when Australia was in its absolute golden age of cricket in the, like the men's team this is, in the 2000s and late 90s, early 2000s, we kind of didn't realise it. We kind of didn't take it in.
1: You 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 knew, but you didn't know.
0: Yeah. We kind mm. of just thought the other teams were crap um, and we were just like a good team. And it, it came to be normal to average 50 with the bat and to mm-hmm. average under 20 with the ball. And we just thought that's how cricket worked. And it was such a rude awakening for us, you know, in the late 2000s mm. and the 2012 and so on, um, where we got rolled so comprehensively. We, we were and like I think the,
1: it's in- we were like the private school boys who have been funded by dad and then we had to get a job. And we realized- then we, job, <laughs> then we
0: had to get a job,
1: Chris. <laughs> then we had
0: to get a job. And we realized how hard it is to make money out yeah. in the real world. Yeah.
1: And we weren't special. And that hurt for a little <laughs> while.
0: Yeah. It, it really hurt on our insides, Chris. Yeah. It hurt yeah. a
1: lot. When we had to dig deep. We had, you know, and then we had to dig deep and, and do some things we didn't want to do, like selecting batsmen that averaged under 40 in Sheffield Shield.
0: Yeah. Had to, yeah. had to pick them, Chris. Here we are. we've him. made it, it. was a cold, hard wake up, right? So I think with the women's game, in the knowledge that we're in a golden age, mm-hmm. we've just got to really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As good as
0: our development is and as good as it is with all of these brilliant players coming through, Darcy Brown, incredible, Alana King, Phenom, um, so forth and so on. But I think we've also got to relish it while it's happening because it may not always be this way.
1: No, you absolutely. Know? And I think, you know, particularly in the shorter forms of the game, but test cricket, hopefully not that far away, we are starting to see some of the other nations playing some really good cricket you know i mean there's some good players coming out of new zealand um sophie divine uh, comes to mind i'm really hoping i'm getting that right you're uh, absolutely right yeah yeah sophie divine coming comes to mind um stephanie taylor from the west indies is a hell of a, a batter uh yeah. you know england as we've seen nat sievers phenomenal heather knight's phenomenal uh south africa has a bunch of good players uh, India on the day you know and i think. The, there's a point where, like, there was quite a few uh, Indi- uh, South African players that uh, played for the Sydney Sixers, if I remember correctly. So um, you know, there's there's some a bit of a a, um, a, a a nexus. I don't know is that the right word? Ooh, a groundswell, well, I think. You know, of, of of women's cricketers from around the world that are starting to form a, a really good um, core and, a, and really competitive across a number of nations. So I think you're right, Pat. I think we do have to acknowledge that this is a bit of a golden age for Australian women's cricket. But hopefully the byproduct will be a a golden age of women's cricket globally, and that might mean we have to shift back into second gear for a while, while someone else takes the spotlight. But we won't give it to them. They've got to take.
0: (laughs) No, Chris. They've got to take it from our cold, dying fingers, (laughs) from 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 Beth Mooney's, (laughs) from Beth Mooney's like claw
1: as it extends out of the lava. You know. Yeah. Interesting fact: Charlton Heston. Not in my movie.
0: Oh, I love it Chris I'm not surprised by that if I'm honest I, I yeah but I, I do I am pleased to hear it. My friend um let's pivot and and pivot pretty hard um let's let's talk about this a little while ago a couple of episodes ago we heard from our dear correspondents from India and South Africa Jai Singh and Chris Goodrick respectively about this test and one day series that's been happening over there they've both sent us in some tapes Chris um to wrap up this series who would you like to hear from first Chris or Jai?
1: Uh, look, I think a bit of Jai. We need to, like like a, a left-arm fastballer out of form, this has got a little wayward. So we need to bring it back, and I think Jai's the man to do it.
0: I mean, if anybody is, it's uh, absolutely sure that it's Jai. He got this in nice and early a couple of days ago. So uh, let's fire him up and see how he goes. This is Jai seeing our Indian correspondent.
2: The previous Indian interjection finished with South Africa's comprehensive seven-wicket win in the second test. This one starts with South Africa's comprehensive seven-wicket win in the third test. Virat Kohli returned and carried India's first innings with a patient 79, while all around him fell cheaply. Pujara and Pant showed some promise with 43 and 27 respectively, but Rahane, doing his best Sean Marsh impression, made just nine, having secured his place with a gutsy half-century in the previous test. 223 wasn't exactly the first-innings score you asked for in pursuit of a historic series win. 5 for 42 from your gun bowler is exactly what you asked for, however, and Bumrah gave India a wafer-thin first-innings lead of 13, converting this match into a one-innings shootout against a largely inexperienced home team. India then subsided to fall for 58, because 37 is a stiff target in the fourth innings. Before one of the most unusual passages of play you will ever see. Rishabh Pant did Rishabh Pant things, racing to a buccaneering half-century at a runner ball. Virat Kohli did very un-Virat Kohli things and potted his way to 29 from 143 balls. What? To put that into perspective, Pujara scored 1.35 times faster than him, although Pujara only made nine. Wow. Commentators were applauding Kohli's discipline and likening his approach to Sachin Tendulkar's 2004 Sydney Masterclass, where, as you may have heard a couple of hundred times, he made a double century without playing the cover drive. The only difference was Kohli eventually lost patience and got out nicking a wide one and hadn't made a double century. Pant might have made a double century, but everyone else collapsed around him, so he had to make do with an even 100 knot out after farming the strike having reached the 70s. You can tell he slowed down appreciably because he ended up with a strike rate of only 72. <laughs> but apart from those two, only Kail Rahul reached double figures, and he only made 10. Extras helped out with 28, so the final score was 198, comprising 129 from Patankoli and 41 from everyone else. India got rid of Makram early in the chase of 212, but it never felt like they were in it, and South Africa duly knocked off the runs for an emphatic win to take the series 2-1. Another case of close but not close enough for India in South Africa. Since 2006/7 they've never lost a series by more than one test, but their best result was the one all draw in 2010/11. Mm. India went into the following ODI series under the captaincy of KL Rahul with Rohit Sharma out with a dodgy hamstring. Hold
0: right up there Jai. I just wanted to say Chris it's it's really interesting to think about how India have struggled so hard in South Africa. Yeah. Um, given, you know, how much success they've had here and how similar conditions are between the two places. But also, like, their fast bowling attack has got so much better. Um, yeah. It's, it's strange to think that they're struggling so hard in that environment. Don't you reckon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the likes of Boomer and Shami, incredible bowlers. And we should really suit them. Um, credits to South Africa, I suppose. You know, yeah. they've played really, really well. Uh, we talked previously about kind of the resurgence in their bowling stocks, and you know clearly their their batsmen are showing showing a bit, um, and uh, it's giving them a bit of hope. And the fact that they've knocked off India anywhere is is phenomenal. So,
2: yeah,
1: i I'm, as as you are, Pat, I'm a bit lost for words.
0: Flummoxed, flummoxed, Chris, taken aback, even uh, may we say. Um, let's get back to the man.
2: Playing an old-fashioned style of ODIs, with Raul anchoring the innings at the top, India put up below pass scores in each match. They batted comfortably and steadily, keeping wickets in hand, but maxed out at 265, 287 and 283. Mm. Great scores in the 90s, not so much in 2022. <laughs> the positive to take from the series, to borrow a line from Joe Root, was Shardul Thakur and Deepak Chahar making half-centuries from numbers 7 and 8? With Hardik Pandya unlikely to return as a genuine fifth bowling option, India really needs to groom these fast bowlers who have batting potential to supplement their abundance of spinning all-rounders. But India's middle order is basically a mess. No, really insisted on opening because he was the captain. But he-
0: no, Jai, hold the phone, Chris, stop the presses. There's problems with India's middle order. <laughs> I'm shocked, Chris. I'm shocked. We've never heard this news from Jai before. I don't. Okay. No. Oh, yeah. I, I'm astounded, Chris. I'm going to have to just take a Bex and have a lie down. Um,
2: let's see what he's got to say about it. He bats too defensively when he opens, compared with his freewheeling style when he comes in at five. But if he does drop down to five when Rohit returns, and he should because Shikhar Dhawan was India's best batsman in the series, what happens to Pant, Shreyas Aya, and Suryakumar Yadav? Pant did well, so at least one of Aya and Yadav will probably have to sit out but none of them can bowl, and India really need a batting all-rounder at six, so maybe both will have to sit out in favour of a mysterious candidate. Off the field, which is where the main drama has been happening lately, Virat Goli divested himself of the test captaincy and is now officially a private citizen in all forms of the game. One has to suspect it's slightly a case of jumping before he was pushed, given his T20 resignation tweet says he was giving up that captaincy to prioritise his ODI and test captaincy. Now he has none. It's the end of a tumultuous and largely successful era, but I have to say it feels like the right time. The unedifying spectacle of India's captain shouting into the stump microphone to accuse the host broadcaster of rigging an LBW review, just because he thought it was hitting the stumps and the projection showed it wasn't, told the story of a man cracking under the strain. Indian captains usually burn out within four to five years, such are the pressures and expectations of the job. So to f- survive seven years in the social media age bears reflection to his passion and mental strength. The whole captaincy saga presents a great opportunity for a movie one day, but for the time being, it leaves India with an obvious, if not hugely long-term candidate in Rohit who is 35, and a few longer-term contenders for further down the line, none of whom has showed great tactical acumen when leading IPL sites. As we're starting to move away from outdated ideas that fastballers can't make good captains, let's indulge in a daydream where Jasper Boomer walks out to toss the coin with Pat Cummins in the next border gavaskar trophy. Wow. Finally, in domestic news, the IPL auction is just around the corner, and two new franchises have been added to the tournament. This is a refreshing outcome for those who love good quality cricket because it means there are extra spaces in team rosters for players who aren't quite good enough to make the first 11 of the existing teams. And we know from the example of the county championship that more teams inevitably means better quality cricket. That's why England are so good at tests.
0: (laughs) That's some great sledging from Jai. Um, Thanks, Jai. Great to have you back. Great bulletin from
1: there as well. really enjoyed that. Don't you feel like every time you get a, a bulletin from Jai, you learn something? Oh, I,
0: I learn so much, Chris. I learn so much. I learn so much every time. He's very informative. Very He's informative. He's very informative.
1: But that's why we don't um, interject. Everyone else we interject because we're like, we've got <laughs> something to say. But with Jai, it's just like, I'm not interjecting because actually, I'm not as good as you. <laughs>
0: I, I can't add to this. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I feel pretty similar. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit... Bemused, I guess, by India's captaincy options? Mm. I mean picking ditching Collie and picking a bloke who's 35, as good a cricketer as Rohit Sharma absolutely is, seems a little strange to me,
1: Chris. I don't think that's weird. Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. I think it wasn't Steve War Steve War would have been about thirty-five, I think, when he took on the test captaincy from Mark Taylor. Could be wrong, I think that's about right. So he it's was not a bit younger than that, but keep going. Thirty-five is not beyond the pale, uh, and I guess, given the fact that that uh, Coley has he- has held the post, it's just kind of an anomaly that he's held the captaincy for so long and is younger. So you're right; it is weird, but I think it's it's explainable. What's what I think is perplexing is that um, in a, in a nation uh, as populous as India and has the level of cricket participation that India has, is that mm. there's not an obvious successor, uh, particularly when you've got, you know, like the transition from Dhoni, say, to um, Kohli in terms of performance was relatively okay. So, it is interesting and, and, and who knows, but I think we're kind of beyond the days when we're, we're not going to see an Indian team that is a force. So, really, whoever leads that team, I think, is going to lead a pretty strong side.
0: Yeah, agree, Bardo. And you're, you're pretty much right, mate. He was 34 when he became captain. So, I, I doth my cap to you, Bardo. Yeah. Um, and Mural is a,
1: a wrist spinner. <laughs> well, I'm there. Oh,
0: Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, All right, Bardo. All right. Um let's hear some Chris Goodrick, shall we? Let's let's hear from that handsome guy for a bit of a South African perspective. And I, I'm sure, as we all know about Chris Goodrick, this is probably gonna be a little loose. So here we go. <laughs>
1: Strong party parties. <laughs>
2: A
0: lot of mileage out of Queen's songs on this season of two
6: Yes, that's right. The Pro are back, and what a series it was. Well done to the Pro with a fantastic ser- Test Series win and then backed up with a 3-0 ODR win as well. Guys, it's been a fantastic uh, Test Series and ODR Series, uh, full of everything, really. Um, and, um, you know, going back to that uh, Test match, uh, the third Test, where it was sort of well-poised, uh, South Africa needing one hundred eleven runs to win on the final day, um, a low-scoring Test series, and uh, great to see our young lad Keegan Peterson, who's only played, who was only playing his third Test match, um, just uh, holding his nerve and bringing it home for us. Um, he finished as South Africa's top run scorer in in the series. So wow. great to see our young players coming through. Another star of the show was um, Jansen, bagged 19 wickets in the series um, and you know just just to compare I mean Rabada had 20 wickets so between the, the two of them 39 wickets out of the 60 those two bowlers took so great to see yeah. um, this young kid on the block backing it up with the, with the experienced bowlers so you know he almost had the record uh, I think Dale Stane's got 21 wickets against India in a test series so he almost you know knocked over that and his average through the uh, through the test... Holding on there, Chris. Um, just thinking
0: there, Bardo, that in relation mm. to our previous topic, it might not have been that um, the... Indian bowlers didn't have penetration and, and get poles. I'm sure they did, but it sounds as if it's vertical movement which is the issue. It sounds as if the bounce there and the and the velocity from the likes of Peterson and Rabada yeah. um, were the thing that that really turned it around. And what a great series for two young quicks um, to to really dominate there. A great side in India.
1: Yeah, interesting point, Pat. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps it is the vertical movement. I mean, we talked about that during the Ashes series, didn't we? How a northern hemisphere side struggled with the vertical movement, whereas southern hemisphere sides tend to struggle with the horizontal movement. So perhaps uh, we're getting another, um, I'm trying to think of the word, proof, proof in our pudding. Proof in our pudding, Chris. A little
0: bit more proof in our pudding about it.
6: Let's go back to Chris. series was 16.47, which is tremendous. And, and, and one stat I picked on, because we all have a good stat here on two for none, so According to South African cricket, our, our if we if we look at our entire side and add up all their runs and the amount of tests uh, centuries they have, uh, they they only have a mere nine thousand nine hundred sixty seven runs and nineteen test centuries. So this is our inexperienced. This the South African team is statistically by some distance. This is the least experienced SA side ever to have beaten a number one side in the world. Wow that's according to SA cricket, which is incredible. And I kind of knew that when went, when I looked at that squad, I was like, yo, uh, these, th- there is some names here that are uh, very new and, and we did have that in experience. So it's a fantastic achievement and great to see SA test cricket bat. And then that flowed through to the ODR series it was great to see the momentum flowed on the SA ODR team has in the past years had sort of a, um, it sometimes we sort of battle in our middle order um and so we rely on the quentin de cox and um you know our, our top fire um markrams and, and 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 our top order batsmen to get us get us through we normally have a middle order collapse and then you know recovery from rusty van der dissen and uh, milan or um david miller at the, at the end there but it was great to see we lost very few wickets and heaps of centuries throughout throughout the series so mm. if we just look at the game one there Rassie funded this and take a bar 129 not out of 96 well supported by captain fantastic Temba Vivuma, 110 of 143 south africa posting 296 for four after 50 wow. india 265 for eight so we we started the series with such a bang and um yeah didn't give the indians much of a chance again second Second ODR, Milan, 91 of 108. Quinton de Kock, 78 of 66. Then third ODR, Quinton de Kock, 124 of 130. der Manderdissen, 52. So the batting was fantastic. I mean, yes, the guys played in a place in South Africa called Pol, which is in Borland. And it's, it's, they literally played on a piece of concrete. It's dry, (laughs) it's hot. It's like the outback in Australia. Um, It's... Yeah, I thought it, you, this they, 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 on the second ODI, it looked like Lewitt and Giddy was going to pass out from heat um, heat exhaustion. Fantastic series. I was so stoked to see us come through that with such vigor and, yeah, we were dominant, really, really dominant. Player of the series, Quentin de Kock. Um, and, and here's another good stat for you on 2 for 9. Uh, Quentin de Kock is now the second in the world for the most hundreds for an all-time wicketkeeper wow. with 17 and surpasses the great Adam Gilchrist. <gasps> so there's a stat for you guys. He's still my beating heart. It's been brilliant guys. It, it's been fantastic. Good to see we've got a new all-rounder in the team called Aiden Markram. According to SA Cricket, we've now got an all-rounder called Markram. I don't think that's right. I think he's a good spinner, but um, he's definitely a part-timer. But as as Jai rightly pointed out, he bowled fantastically well. So guys, we're we're off to uh, New Zealand. Uh, the Test matches are still going ahead I believe and I'm hoping to make it to the one of them which will be in Christchurch. I can't remember if it's the first or second. The squad is a little bit bowler heavy but it's good to see that we've picked the guys that have performed well in this series we'll be playing. So guys it's been bloody brilliant looking forward to the podcast as always see you later. Good on you, Chris. A honor, a pleasure, and a joy, as per usual. And
0: great to see so many great players coming through for South Africa. Great to see their batting kicking off, butter. that's that's mm. all good science.
1: Great science. Great science for cricket to have a strong South African team. Once again, um, you know, this is a, this is a proud cricketing nation and, and one that has the potential to challenge for the number one position in, in all three formats of the game. So, uh, you know, fantastic mm. series, great result. Um, you know, I was watching the final balls of that, of the, the last test match against India when they managed to knock them off and, and what scenes that was um, in Darren in South yeah. Africa. It was absolutely superb. And one of the great moments, um, you, you know, well, I say great moments, but I think one of the more intriguing moments when, um, you know, Coley shouts into the stumps because of the uh, DRS decision given not out. Yeah, <laughs> think, wow. You know, the classic moment where you just see... Um, mariam erasmus uh just now the words it's not possible so (laughs) which i'm sorry that's such a bad south african accent i'm just i'm sorry to everyone that heard that um that's terrible low quality poorly done a bit like the drs but um you know that was amazing that was amazing and such a stoic man too you know i I don't think i don't think mariam erasmus um You know, he strikes as the kind of man that uses his words economically and um, for him to kind of go, it's not possible. (laughs) It's not possible. (laughs) Amazing moment. Phenomenal. Captivating. So, great to see and very entertaining stuff.
0: A big thanks to our two correspondents there for bringing us up to date.
1: But uh, we've got a couple of
0: minutes left here at the end of the pod, and I wanted to quickly pick your brains because I know you've got thoughts about it. Um, The big news out of Australian cricket uh, outside of the, the Ashes victory for our women's team is the fact that Justin Langer has resigned as the coach. Um, and and mate, it left a pretty sour taste in my mouth. Um, in recent times, we've seen you know interviews with Pat Cummins and Patty hasn't really got behind him. Given the opportunity to get behind GL, and he didn't. Um, Cricket Australia didn't put out a statement first to say that something had gone down. They waited. The first we all heard from it was Justin Langer's um, management posting about it on Twitter, um, and it's just the circumstances around it feels really poorly handled. And, that we, you know, we're just coming off the back of the Tim Payne scandal, which was so poorly handled by Cricket Australia. And now this as well, it, it's pretty disappointing, mate, if I'm honest. How, how are you feeling about it?
1: Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of elements to it. To it, isn't there, Pat? I mean, I think first and foremost off the bat, I think for just about anyone, uh, any young person growing, growing up in Western Australia in particular, you know, Justin Langer is a hero. You know, he's, mm. he's someone that we've grown up and revered. Um, you know, one of the I used to have a poster in my um, bedroom wall and it was an image of Justin Langer and Adam Gilchrist sharing a beer after the win in Hobart against Pakistan, I think in in ninety nine. So, you know, this is a... And Perth being such a small place as it is, you know, you occasionally, you know, see people... Bump into it. Bump bump into people, you know, and see people (laughs) from across the street. And, uh, you know, so there's in Western Australia, there's a real sense of deep connection to, to Justin Langer, whether he's asked for that or not. Um, you know, I mean, the Perth Stadium, you know, one of the ends of the ground is called the, it's a Langer, Justin Langer stand, right? So, yeah. on that front, you know, I personally. And he was
0: inducted into the Hall of does, Fame, days, Chris, like a week days ago. Days before. So, yeah, two weeks ago. On, yeah.
1: on a personal level, you know, you, you feel really. I, I had a, like a sad guttural kind of reaction to it. And it's not, yeah. it's not, it didn't happen to me. You know, I didn't lose my job. Um, so, that there's there's that element to it. In terms of looking at it um, from a, a kind of regulation standpoint, the what 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 are the parameters that, that were being asked of him? So I think as we sa- as we said before the episode, Pat, you know, for me, if if Cricket Australia sort of said, look, we think moving forward the schedule is so jam packed and there's so many competing um, you know agendas going on with T Twenty with odi cricket you know i mean this year alone we've got a a, a t20 world cup and then next year there's the the odi world cup in india and we've got to go and defend the ashes in england so there's a bit bit going on and i understand that but so if cricket Australia's come back and said look we're going to go with three different coaches and we're going to see if this way works because there's a bit of burnout and we think that you know by all the reports people are getting a bit of cabin fever and bubble fever and who knows what's going on with covid and all that stuff then that's absolutely fair enough um But you've got to communicate that and you've got to do that in a respectful way. And I think that clearly that's where this hasn't occurred. Because if you had to say, look, you um, you know, Justin, we really appreciate all the work that you've done. You've done an amazing job. Thank you so much, by the way, for pulling us out of the reputational mire. Um, and you know, reinstilling culture and belief and the popularity of our team, not to mention the fact that we're T20 world champions and rank ranked number one in ashes the world. Ashes holders. Ashes and holders. And retain the ashes overseas. You know, um, that's right. You know, you've, you've, you've met the requirements of the role. Thank you very much for doing all of that. Now, in deference to you, we're going to you know, extend your contract by six months, but at the end of that, we feel that we no longer wanna go with a model of a single head coach And, you know, we want to have three separate head coaches and a a, a director or whatever their org structure is going to be. And we'd like to invite you to apply for one of those positions should you feel that's appropriate. But we're no longer going to have everything vested in in one role. If that's what you want to do, fine. Like... There might be. There's a bunch of things then to say. Well, is that the right model? Is that is that what's going to work? You know, Chris Silverwood came out uh, just before he was let go by England and said, "Look, you know, I've heard that you know people want to go down the separate coaching path, but you know, what does that actually mean in reality? You know, because each head coach is going to have." Um, you know, their own staff that they bring along with them, their own batting coach, yeah, their 98 own bowling coach. people cards. all of a sudden. You know, and, and all of a sudden, you're going to have 90 coaches in the in the national team setup. So how is that going to work practically? How is that going to work in, in you know, in a bubble environment? And then finally, how are you going to resolve issues where, say, for example, next year, we're leading up into a an Ashes series and, a, and a, an ODI World Cup. And I'm sure someone like Pat Cummins and Mitch Stark and Josh Hazelwood, our three best fast bowlers, are probably going to want to play in every single game. Game. But if yeah. I'm the ODI one, you know, coach, or and I don't know which one's coming first. but I must admit, I think the Ashes will come first. But if if that Ashes series is wrapped up three nil, optimistic thinking. But if it's love ra-
0: this, Chris, love this thought. Keep going. You know, but if
1: it's if it's wrapped up three <laughs> nil, with two games to play, and the ODI coach wants to pull Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark, and says, No more. Well, I know. I need to just get them start to get them fresh and ready for the for the ODI World Cup. Are we going to, who's going to solve that problem? Who's going to make that decision yeah. to say, yeah, we're going that way? Is that George Bailey's job? Is that the chairman of selectors job? I, I don't know. So, that's, the, there's, there's more thinking to be done on that. But again, if that's the way that Cricket Australia wants to go and they say, yeah, look, we acknowledge all of that. We just want to see if we can make it work because we think it's the way to go because we think it's the way to look after people moving forward. Absolutely fine. But be upfront about that say that's your agenda say that's what you're doing yeah, saying completely. that that's why you're making the decision and actually treat a champion of your game with a lot more respect than 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 yeah. what's been shown here and that's the that's the biggest issue and you know Christina Matthews the, the CEO of the Wacker was was on ABC radio yesterday and she said you know look the biggest issue for me is Justin Langer as a person hasn't been treated well and and I completely agree with that I think he is has been significant collateral damage whether or not you're a player in the australian team and you agree disagree like or dislike his coaching style that's kind of irrelevant because he kind of delivered and not only kind of delivered but did did deliver and at at the end of the day he is a champion of the game and because of the people that have gone before you you're not now able to do the things that you can do he
0: took he took the note you know he the took players the came and said you're being too much of a hard bugger can you just like be less intense can you take the foot off can you bring in these assistant coaches who can really help and he brought him in and he took his foot off the accelerator and he stopped being as you know i've i've met JL once or twice and he's a bloody great guy and he is ferocious like you can see how he's naturally an intense dude and as a human over here who's received a lot of criticism over my life of being a bit of an intense package i i, I really <laughs> sympathize with that right But, you know, it would have been one thing if they sacked him because he wasn't getting results. It would have been another thing if they sacked him because the team didn't like it. It would have been another thing if they sacked him because that he wasn't taking the note, if he was still running stuff the way that he wanted to do it. But the fact is, he did get results that they wanted. He did adjust when he was asked to, and... If he's not a cushy, hand-holdy coach, you know who's a cushy, hand-holdy, around the shoulder coach? Chris Silverwood. Mm. Y- you know what I mean? It, mm. That doesn't necessarily get you the results you want either. That doesn't mm. necessarily generate the culture you want either. I, I, I An article got written this week saying that Australia could well see that the grass isn't always greener when you pick another coach. Uh, and I have a real feeling that's going to happen here, Chris. Do,
1: yeah. Look, uh, look, I wish... Um, of course, I wish his successor. Every bit of luck in the world, every bit of goodwill in the world, it's clearly a tough job. And you know, of course, I'm, it's not as if I'm going to stop supporting Australian Australian cricket or Australian cricketing teams. It's, that's not going to happen. But uh, this is not acceptable. Like this is this is not way. This is not a way to treat someone that uh, that has done so much for the game and done so much for your organisation. You know, came in at a difficult time and did the job. So I wish I wish the new person really well. I have a. I mean, I have a feeling that we might be seeing Justin Langer hoist the ashes next year, but just not wearing green. For Australia. Yeah.
0: Yeah, from the other side of the table. I mean, Strauss is already moving to poach him. I don't know if JL would do that, but I mean, he'd be within his rights frankly, and and who knows, mate. It's just a a way to throw a real sour flavor, Chris, a real just dash of lemon juice in our otherwise perfect summer tequila.
1: Look, if I can just end on an up, Pat. Please. um, I'd love that, Chris. I'd love that. um, Occasionally, as you know, I lose focus while we're talking, and uh, I've done that here, but it's been worthwhile because I can confirm (laughs) that Australia's Olympic curling team has uh-huh. had their first ever win uh, in Olympic competition in the mixed doubles. Sensational. Right. So Tali, Sensational. Tali Gill and Dean Hewitt have beaten Switzerland in the mixed doubles curling to lodge our first win. I think it's just a pool game, but still, bloody hell, I, mate, we're on it. This
0: is uh, some producers should buy the rights to it. It's the Australian Cool Runnings and I am looking forward to
1: seeing it. It's the best sweep shot we've seen all summer. <laughs>
0: Oh, there he is, folks. Hey, Bardo, thanks so much, big man. Uh, we're going to take a break for a little while now, ladies and gents. We'll be back before the Australia-Pakistan series. Um, Bardo, thanks so much for being with me this summer, getting things rolling with Two for None. It's been an absolute joy, my friend. You're the guy.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. And look, it's been a fantastic summer. We only had to re-record once, so that's... Hey! That's a significant improvement. Uh, on on <laughs> That
0: is a genuine improvement for this show. That's leaps really and bounds. Really One more small is. step for this man. All of that. Always a pleasure, Patty. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. Let's let the Terminator music take us out. Bow, bow,
4: bow, 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 bow,
0: bow. <music> for None is created and presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. Big thanks to Tom Hawkey, Alex Spinks, Heidi Cheadle, Chris Barty, Jai Singh, and Chris Goodrick for joining me on the show. History repeating is by Propellerheads, 1998 DreamWorks Records. Simply the Best by Tina Turner, 1991 Capital Records. Fox Sports coverage of the 2021-22 Ashes was also in there, as well as Remember Me by Blue Boy, Altra Modra, 1997. Tame and parlor Modular, 2010. We Are the Champions, Queen, 1999. 77 Alexa records And finally, this epic piece of music is the Terminator theme, written by Brad Fiedel off Terminator Genesis 2015 for our friend of the pod, Beth Mooney. All clips and music are used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license, OL2028. Make sure you like us on Facebook, you can email us at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com, and we'd specially love to hear from you if you are a West Indies or Bangladesh cricket supporter to be our next correspondent. Two for None is produced by Ginger Snap Productions. Check out our other show, The Isocast, and your podcatcher. And make sure you like, rate, and review, and subscribe to all of our podcasts. Tell a cricket fan about this podcast. And we will be back to preview the test series against Pakistan in the coming weeks. In the meantime, go those Aussies. And go Beth Mooney! they will be back. Get in the top of the order if you want to live. That's all my Arnie impressions. Okay, bye!